Wondery Plus subscribers can listen to the CBS Evening News ad-free right now. Join Wondery Plus in the Wondery app or on Apple Podcasts. This spring, if you'd rather spend time enjoying your lawn instead of trying to keep it alive, there's good news. True Green is the easiest and most affordable way to get a beautiful lawn. All you have to do is water and mow, and they'll do the rest. Weed control, fertilization, aeration, and even some things you might not even think of. They'll do all of it, while you can do literally anything else. With True Green, you can have your lawn looking as good as a putting green. That's not hyperbole. True Green is the official lawn care treatment provider of the PGA Tour. True Green offers a satisfaction guarantee, and they have a verified best price promise, which guarantees you the lowest price with no compromise on quality. You do you. Let True Green do your lawn care. Visit TrueGreen.com to get the best lawn at the best price with the best people guaranteed. This podcast is supported by FedEx. FedEx offers fast delivery, more visibility, simple returns, and weekend home delivery to 98% of the U.S. population on Saturday and 50% on Sunday. With FedEx, you get picture proof of delivery, ensuring you always know where your package is. Returns are simple with packageless and paperless returns. Plus, FedEx Ground is also faster to more locations than UPS Ground. See the FedEx service guide for delivery information. So, what are you waiting for? See what FedEx can do for your business. Absolutely, positively, FedEx. Tonight, Hurricane Nicholas knocks out power to hundreds of thousands as there's new concern that the storm will bring life-threatening floods to the Ida-ravaged Gulf Coast. A powerful storm. The threat of Nicholas continues with highways flooded and homes ripped open. Trump rogue. The book bombshell. America's top general worried then-President Trump would spark a war with China. We'll tell you the dramatic steps he took to make sure Trump wouldn't launch a nuclear weapon. Afghanistan fallout. Tonight, as two Marines are laid to rest, senators from both parties grill the Secretary of State. Plus, the new intelligence pointing to al-Qaeda rebuilding in Afghanistan. Hospitals in COVID crisis. ICUs packed full, forcing non-COVID patients into a dangerous waiting game. I'm just a dad who had to watch his son suffer. California recall. The new information tonight as voters head to the polls. Will Governor Newsom survive? Toxic for teens. The report tonight that Facebook knows Instagram is harmful for some young adults, creating body and mental health issues. The stunning internal documents. Raising the curtain after a year and a half, Broadway returns. And space pioneer, our wild ride with the young woman who will soon be America's youngest astronaut. This is the CBS Evening News with Nora O'Donnell, reporting from the nation's capital. Good evening, and thank you so much for joining us. We're going to begin with breaking news from the Gulf Coast, where flash flood alerts are posted tonight. From southeast Texas to the Florida panhandle, Hurricane Nicholas came ashore as a Category 1 storm with gusts approaching 100 miles per hour. Downgraded but still powerful, it is slamming the region with torrential rain. More than nine inches in Houston so far. Some areas could end up with more than twice that amount in the coming days. And communities still struggling to recover from Hurricane Ida two weeks ago are again being inundated with more rain. And the storm is moving slowly, pounding southern Louisiana and Mississippi. Life-threatening floods could quickly develop into in low-lying areas, and the outer rain bands of Nicholas could unleash tornadoes. CBS's Janet Shamlin is going 
going to lead off our coverage tonight in Beaumont, Texas. Good evening, Janet. Nora, good evening. Hurricane Nicholas was a rainmaker, and there are areas of high water throughout southeast Texas, but for the most part, damage was minimal, and storm-weary communities are breathing a sigh of relief. Nicholas roared ashore along the Texas coast as a Category 1 hurricane overnight, with winds gusting to 95 miles an hour. A path of destruction was left behind, damaged buildings and stranded drivers. South of Houston, low-lying areas flooded after a nearly five-foot storm surge and heavy rain. But the city itself was spared. Look, this storm could have been a lot worse uh, for the city of Houston. I think we fared uh, fairly well uh, from, from, from Hurricane Nicholas. Nicholas was downgraded to a tropical storm by daybreak. But the damage was done. This is Jamaica Beach underwater. Parts of homes in another coastal community, Surfside Beach, were reduced to rubble. And trees are down everywhere. A large tree crushed this trailer and RV in the city of Brazoria. No one was hurt. This woman fled to safety after a toppled tree punctured the roof of her home. Tonight, some parts of southern Louisiana are bracing for as much as 10 inches of rain. More than 5 million people are under flash flood watches. And more than a quarter million customers across Texas and Louisiana are still without power. One of the most uh, distressing parts of this is uh, the heaviest rain now is, is expected to fall in areas that were most devastated by Hurricane Ida. Tonight's the slow-moving Nicholas is drenching communities from here in Beaumont East into Louisiana, some of which could see flash flooding. Nora? Janet Chamlian, thank you so much. And tonight, we are getting an eye-opening account of the tumultuous final days of the Trump administration. It allegedly included secret meetings and phone calls, and a top U.S. military leader who was concerned the commander-in-chief might launch an unnecessary war. Here's CBS's David Martin. Last fall, the nation's top military officer, Joint Chiefs Chairman General Mark Milley, feared then-President Trump might create a crisis that would allow him to declare a national emergency and stay in power despite losing the election. One item that sparked Milley's concern was a letter from Trump sent two days after he fired Defense Secretary Mark Esper, directing Milley to pull all U.S. troops out of Afghanistan in two months. Even before then, according to a new book by Washington Post reporters Bob Woodward and Robert Costa, published by Simon & Schuster, a division of Viacom CBS, Milley was so worried Trump might spark a war with China, he placed a secret call to his Chinese counterpart, assuring him the U.S. had no intention of striking. If we're going to attack, I'm going to call you ahead of time, the authors quote Milley is saying. He made a second call to China after the storming of the Capitol, saying, we are 100 percent steady. Everything's fine. After the Capitol riot, House Speaker Nancy Pelosi called Milley, asking what safeguards were in place to prevent Trump from starting a nuclear war. A transcript of the phone call obtained by Woodward and Costa quotes her as saying, he's crazy. According to the transcript, Milley replied, I agree with you on everything. The book, titled Peril, says Milley told nuclear control officers they had to check with him first, no matter what orders they received from the president. The book also quotes Trump as telling his always loyal vice president, 
Mike Pence that if he didn't refuse to certify the election results, quote, I don't want to be your friend anymore. Trump later told Pence, quote, you've betrayed us. I made you. You were nothing. Nora? Turns out they're not friends anymore. David Martin, thank you. Well, today, Secretary of State Antony Blinken faced more intense questioning from both Republicans and Democrats on the frenzied U.S. withdrawal from Afghanistan. Thirteen U.S. service members were killed by a suicide bomber during that evacuation. Here's CBS's Nancy Cordes. In Indiana and Massachusetts today, services for two of the Marines killed in the suicide bombing at the Kabul airport. Three weeks after that attack, questions about the chaotic U.S. drawdown continue to consume Washington. There is not enough lipstick in the world to uh, put on this pig to make it look any different than what it actually is. Senators from both sides grilled Secretary of State Antony Blinken today about the last-minute scramble to rescue Americans and Afghans as Kabul fell. Should we not have surged more significantly? Bottom line is, we did significantly surge. But what was not anticipated was the collapse in 11 days of the Afghan government uh, and the Afghan military. I just don't think that's true. This wasn't a failure of intelligence. This was a failure of policy and planning. Blinken conceded that the intelligence community had warned back in June that a swift Taliban takeover was likely. But he argued the Trump administration tied the Biden team's hands, leaving behind a withdrawal date, but no plan. You are the United States Secretary of State. You own this. State Department was talking to the Defense Department to slow down the pace of military withdrawal, calling actually for, quote, tapping the brakes on military withdrawal. Isn't that true? Senator, I'm uh, not going to get into any... uh internal deliberations or discussions that uh, that we had. Uh, we worked on this uh, together every step of the way. Intelligence officials warned today that now that the U.S. has left Afghanistan, al-Qaeda is already starting to move back in. And their new estimate is that the terror group could reconstitute to the point where it might be able to strike the U.S. homeland in one to two years, Nora. That's alarming. Nancy Cordes, thank you. Well, turning now to COVID, a study out today finds that more than 280,000 COVID hospitalizations this past summer could have been prevented by vaccination. And then listen to this. The medical bills for those patients totaled more than $5 billion. Here's CBS's Memo Bohorkas. There are more signs tonight of COVID's worsening grip. Both cases and deaths nationwide remain dangerously high equal to levels from last winter's devastating surge. The latest hotspots, West Virginia, Pennsylvania, and Tennessee. In Florida, one of the nation's hardest-hit states, Governor Ron DeSantis is not just pushing back against the Biden administration's call for vaccine mandates. He's doubling down. If a government agency in the state of Florida uh, forces uh, a vaccine as a condition to employment, you will face a $5,000 fine for every single violation. According to one analysis in June, less than 10% of hospitals in the U.S. were at or near capacity in their ICUs. Now, one out of every four hospitals has at least 95% of its ICU beds full. 
The problem is worse in the South. In Florida, 24 hospitals are reporting more patients than available beds. Many are suffering from COVID, the vast majority unvaccinated. One consequence of that, Florida teacher Nathaniel Osborne had to rush his 12-year-old son Seth to the emergency room in July. He had appendicitis. There were no beds, and his appendix ruptured as they waited more than six hours. Quivering in pain. I can't imagine what that's like for a father to see. My wife asked, what's going on? Why did we have to wait so long? And the nurse rolled her eyes and said something to the effect of, well, what do you think? We're slammed with COVID. Seth spent five days in the hospital but has since recovered. The number of COVID patients in Florida hospitals has come down, but it's coming down from record highs. So many emergency rooms are still stretched to their limits. Nora? All of this largely preventable. All right, Manny Bohorkas, thank you. And in just a few hours, the polls will close in California. Voters are deciding whether to recall Governor Gavin Newsom less than three years after his landslide election. Millions have already voted by mail, and that's potentially good news for Newsom. CBS's Major Garrett reports from Sacramento. California Governor Gavin Newsom, rattled by a Republican effort to oust him from office, met with volunteers on the last day of balloting. We got eight more hours in this campaign. We take nothing for granted. Newsom has pulled party heavyweights into the recall drama, none bigger than President Biden, who headlined an election eve rally in Long Beach. Here's why it's so important for all to vote no on a recall. The ballot has two questions. Should Newsom be recalled? And if so, who should replace him? More than nine million people have already voted. So far, twice as many registered Democrats have cast ballots compared to Republicans. Republican State Assemblyman Kevin Kiley, who voted just outside of Sacramento today, is one of 46 candidates seeking to replace Newsom, but he's trailing in the polls. You believe the same polls now that show him pulling away? The poll that matters is the one on Election Day today. Talk show host Larry Elder leads the Republican field and has drawn fire from Democrats for embracing former President Donald Trump. He's the clone of Donald Trump. Can you imagine him being governor of this state? If Newsom prevails, it will be in part because Californians on balance support his tough COVID-19 restrictions and mandates. Democrats have also mobilized against Elder. Still, we spoke with several Californians who believe Newsom's COVID policies have gone too far. I don't believe the mandate is appropriate. I think it violates everybody's rights. Some also told us one-party Democratic rule in California has led Newsom to cut ethical corners. He cares more about himself rather than, you know, caring for the people. Newsom told us he's heard those complaints, admitted mistakes, and emerged from this recall, quote, humble. But he's also left nothing to chance. Fueled by unlimited campaign contributions, he's outspent his top Republican rival by at least six to one. Hours before polls closed, Newsom's top advisors told us there was no scenario, repeat their words, no scenario in which the governor loses this recall election. Nora? All right, Major Garrett, thank you. Well, tonight, an explosive report in The Wall Street Journal says internal research at Facebook found that its photo sharing app, Instagram, can harm the mental health of millions of young users, particularly teenage girls. And the company has known about it for years. Here's CBS's Jonathan Vigliotti. Instagram's parent company, Facebook, has called the app's mental health impact positive. But undisclosed research commissioned by Facebook and leaked to the Wall Street Journal sheds light on a darker reality. 
We make body image issues worse for one in three teen girls, Facebook's research revealed. The findings of the three-year study were reportedly shown to top Facebook executives during an internal presentation last year. One chart showed 21% of girls and 14% of boys in the U.S. felt somewhat worse or much worse after using Instagram. I can't imagine any consumer product that if it harmed one-third of adults, we would allow that thing to be on the market. And here we have one that's harming one-third of girls. The research seems to contradict what CEO Mark Zuckerberg has said publicly. The research that we've seen is that using social apps to, to connect with other people can have positive mental health benefits. In response to the Wall Street Journal expose, Facebook says they are exploring ways to prompt users to look at different topics towards content that inspires and uplifts. Meanwhile, Facebook is continuing to develop an Instagram app for children under 13 years old. Jonathan Bigliotti, CBS News, Los Angeles. Call this reopening night on Broadway. Four big shows are returning at full capacity. CBS's Jamie Wax reports. Throughout New York's theater district, you can literally see signs indicating that Broadway is coming back to life. It's a crucial return to New York, not just as an art form, but also as an economic engine. By some estimates, Broadway contributes $14.7 billion to New York City's economy, outside of ticket sales, and supports 96,900 local jobs. After a year and a half in the dark, not only have Broadway's lights, performers, and workers returned, but so have the audiences. This pair of friends came from Illinois and Colorado, respectively. What does it feel like to see Broadway theater again? And make me cry. The power of the moment isn't just being felt by audience members, but also by performers, like Thane Jasperson of Hamilton, which reopens tonight. It's not a normal night, is it? <laughs> it is not normal. It's electric. It's something totally different. Like, it feels like we're on fire. A sentiment echoed by Erica and Aaron Williams, a military couple who left the kids with grandparents in Florida to experience Hamilton's reopening. So with Broadway opening back up and the city getting back to normal, that hope has been once again reestablished. And I believe if we continue to, to keep that hope, I think we'll be okay. Jamie Wax, CBS News, New York. CarMax is putting peace of mind back in car shopping by putting you in the driver's seat to find a ride that's right for you. Because at CarMax, we believe you shouldn't just settle for a car. You should love your car. That's why every car we sell is CarMax certified quality so you can be sure with upfront pricing that's the same for every customer. So don't settle. Find love at first drive and start shopping now at CarMax.com. CarMax, the way car buying should be. Tomorrow, SpaceX will attempt to launch Inspiration4. It's the first all-civilian crewed mission to travel in space and includes a remarkable young woman who will make history herself on the launch pad. 29-year-old Haley Arsenault has the right stuff when it comes to beating the odds. She'll be the youngest American, first with a prosthesis, and first pediatric cancer survivor in space. How did surviving cancer prepare you for this mission? Surviving cancer made me tough. 
And I think it taught me a lot about going out of my comfort zone. She's one of four soon-to-be astronauts on the flight, a mission to raise awareness and money for St. Jude Children's Research Hospital. My disease is called osteosarcoma. That's where Haley spent a year in treatment when she was 10 and where she now works as a physician assistant. When the hospital was offered a seat on board, there was one person they had in mind. Really until our mission, you've had to be physically perfect to go to space. Her call sign is Nova. The secret meaning behind it is no ordinary vixen astronaut. That sounds sassy. They gave me a sassy name because I'm a sassy astronaut. When she told us her favorite part of training was experiencing zero gravity, we convinced her to do it again on the same zero-G plane she and her crew trained on that simulates weightlessness in space. As Haley told me beforehand, it's not as easy as it looks. You're going towards a wall. Your nature is to propel yourself off. But in zero gravity, all you have to do is just use a little finger because the harder you push, the harder you're propelled to the other side. But it's so fun. (laughs) Superman! What's next for this superwoman? The real thing, orbiting Earth for three days. The history of space has always been about the journey, the dream, doing the impossible. And the journey has been so much fun. I think going to space will almost be the cherry on top of the most incredible year I've ever had. It was an incredible moment with her, and she plans to call her patients at St. Jude from space. We have something special tomorrow on the CBS Evening News, our exclusive interview with Nobel Peace Prize recipient Malala Yousafzai on the new dangers that women face in Afghanistan with the Taliban in control. And a reminder, if you can't watch us live, don't forget to set your DVR so you can watch us later. That's tonight's edition of the CBS Evening News. I'm Nora O'Donnell in the nation's capital. We'll see you right back here tomorrow. Good night. If you like the CBS Evening News, you can listen early and ad-free right now by joining Wondery Plus in the Wondery app or on Apple Podcasts. Prime members can listen ad-free on Amazon Music. Before you go, tell us about yourself by filling out a short survey at Wondery.com survey. Survivor's back and so is On Fire, the only official Survivor podcast. And we have a twist, a new co-host, the winner of Survivor 45, D. Valladares. Hi! Listen to On Fire, the official Survivor podcast, wherever you get your podcasts.